Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Well, we're here, uh, another episode of Creative Chats, but this one's going to be a little different. I have joining me Cabrina Ashley, friend of mine here who has been on the podcast a few times, and we're going to have a talk today, but I'm going to let her actually lead the discussion and ask me some questions, so kind of turn the tables a little bit on the podcast here, and uh, I hope that it'll be fun. Yeah. Wink, wink. Um, Because we're going to talk about that, being that that's the title of my new book, Make Fun a Habit. Mm -hmm. So first off, Cabrina, thank you for being here, Uh, which actually I should thank you for me being here because we're actually in your house. (laughs) (laughs) So um, thanks for that. And um, thanks for being willing to just kind of jump on here and ask me some questions, just hang out and kind of see where this goes today. So I will now let you take over and uh, just be gentle. That sounds good. (laughs) I mean, we get to take over and make it something that is different and fun and try something new, which is the whole point of this book that we have both gotten to read and see and all Mm -hmm. of those things. Yes, and I do want to mention, yes, that you edited the book and I'm very grateful for that as well as has been, you've been involved in the whole process here uh, in many ways behind the scenes too. So um, that is very, very awesome that you have been involved and uh, helped me see some things that I would not have seen on my own and just a testimony to, you know, inviting other people into your process and into the things that you're producing so that you're just, you're not just flying solo, um, but you can actually try to make things the best that you can make them because you are letting other people see things and point out things and make it better too. So mm-hmm. all that to say thank you. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it also leads to the idea of you don't have to have fun by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's appropriate for this book, business, how people run as far as the organizational talks that you do. But I'd really like to dig into why you decided to write this book in the first place and what inspired you to write it specifically for individuals and organizations. Yes. So it's funny because like, I mean, we both know this book wasn't really truly an idea or at least a fully formed one until more recently. And I think it was something that bits and pieces of this have been certainly in place and have come out through my own personal journey that I've been on for years. Um, but it was when we were at you know our mutual friend Terry Weaver's house and it took more shape. And then once there was a plan of figuring out what does this look like and what are the chapters really about as far as the overview, that's when I got to work after that and did this in 30 days. Um, and I've shared that on previous episode. <laughs> and um, as far as why did I write this book, I mean, honestly, it, it was in response to a lot of my own realizations of like, where are the places in my, my life <laughs> that um, 
that I've stopped experiencing fun, you know, uh, that I, I no longer was able to see some possibilities and just some things became a little bit too, uh, adult, if you will, you know, the, the responsibilities, the practicalities, like all those things. Um, and so really that's why I wanted to write this book where first off was a, a response to myself and my own experiences. Um, and then saying, you know, as I look around, I mean, there are tons of people I get into conversations with all the time where people are, it's just, it's hard. You know, we, we live in a, a time at which it's, um, you know, it's, it's post COVID and the world is upside down a lot and we're trying to figure some things out and there's a lot of heaviness. There's a lot of people just trying to make it or figure out things as they go and the old rules don't apply anymore. And so with so much of that, I felt like this is the perfect opportunity, perfect time to step into that and say, you know what? Like, can we call a timeout? Like, where can we start to have some more fun? Where can we start to find more fun in some things? Be intentional about that. And I think it, it's really like, when you start looking for those things, you start finding them and then you start validating and then seeing even more, right? So like, it makes me think about the gratitude journal that I've been doing for over a year, which is, you know, you, you are looking for things each day and you're writing down small things that seem to be like, well, you know, am I really grateful for this thing? It seems kind of silly. You know, I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for coffee. I'm grateful, you know, like in the beginning, especially, <coughs> you know, you're, you're looking for things and trying to find as much as you can. But what ends up happening is that you start recognizing, oh, I had a conversation today with somebody or I had this certain experience that normally would have just gotten swallowed up in my day because it didn't seem like it was a big moment. And so cherishing those small moments, realizing that they're all around us and happening all the time, but paying attention to that, it's that paying attention. And so I took that over into fun and saying, what happens if I start paying attention to things that are fun mm -hmm. and start to find fun in places where maybe it seems like fun really isn't a thing. And so it started personally for me. And so for individuals, I think there's certainly that, that mirroring that people can see, oh, here are some places that, that maybe they can find in their own lives as they're just going about their business personally, but then professionally also, like there's a lot there that, you know, we can find that the things that used to bring us happiness and joy, even in, in our work, can very easily become mundane and routine and we can stop having fun. Or if we find ourselves in the midst of having to do a lot of activities and tasks that seem far from fun, to ask the question of, well, what would it look like if it was fun? And opening ourselves up to different thoughts, different experiences. So. All this stuff was wrapped up in me thinking about how do I put this book together in a way that's accessible for individuals as well as organizations to have these conversations, to start looking for these opportunities and making these opportunities. And, you know, there is a difference, obviously, if you're talking to an individual versus an organization or teams um, because of the context of some things. But at the end of the day, we're all people. and we're not these segmented beings where it's like, well, you go to work and that's, that's it. And whatever happens there is what happens there. It has no effect on your personal life and vice versa, because it, we, we do have 
things that happen in our personal life that affect our work life and things that happen at work that affect our personal life. So the same thing with fun. If we're having fun outside of work, there's certainly ideas and things that can happen and experiences that can inform what we're doing at work. And if we're having some fun on some things that we're working on at work, some projects, that can certainly help us in our personal lives too, to have this fulfilling experience and meaningful work, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I like how you said time out. It almost is like you need that recess in what you're talking about. And that's a valuable thing for both that personal and that professional piece because we're so nose to the grindstone and a lot of those things during COVID woke up a lot of people to the what they were doing. But I think that it wasn't quite enough time, even though it seemed like forever, for people to really acclimate back to what does changing this look like? Because mm -hmm. we went into a pandemic, we did all these things, we started to try and make life productive and do the things that we were doing in the office back in our home offices or in a workspace of some sort. And then we weren't able to ever figure out how to change the things that we were aware of. And your book kind of gives some ways to go ahead and change those pieces of how we can be looking at things. And so as far as the mindset around, you know, having that open mindset that we've talked about, how are, what are some practical things that people can do to have that kind of open mindset of seeing where the fun is, especially if they're not primed to see it currently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you're right. It, you know, it, it starts with the mindset, right? Before we get to anything practical, because if you don't believe that it's possible, I could give you a bunch of practical things to do, but you're really not gonna be engaged or believe that it's gonna make a difference at the end of the day. It's just gonna be one more thing that you feel like you should do, somebody's making you do, like there's just no attachment and engagement, and no openness. And so I think the first thing is really dealing with our mindsets to realize that fun starts as an attitude. It starts as a mindset and an outlook. And even if we feel like we're the furthest from that to realize that that can change, it's not fixed in stone. Um, I've certainly had periods of my life where I was um, less than happy with some things that were happening in my workplace and in life, and I fell victim to just, you know, being victim mentality, honestly. It was, it was complaining. It was, um, you know, this isn't fair, and, and there's leadership who aren't listening to me, and, and um, you know, just a frustration, a low-grade frustration that ruled my thinking in a lot of ways, which I wasn't even fully aware of. And then to confront that and realize, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I actually have a choice, uh, which you have to deal with some emotional end of that, right? To, to realize that you have a choice and that even if you feel like you're frustrated by something, to realize you're allowing yourself to be frustrated by a lot of things. Um, and so it's either be frustrated to complain or the other op opposite end of that is then, okay, well, then what do I do about this? How do I change this? How do I change me? Um, and so when you are, and, and a lot of times people talk about this in terms of like a growth mindset, right? It, it's believing that you have the ability to change, to adapt, to grow. And so the same thing with fun. It's, it's a muscle that you flex. It's, it's an outlook that you continue to train yourself to look for these things and apply these things. So 
believe that it's possible, believe that it's, it's, it's available for everyone, that it doesn't come with a certain price tag, it doesn't come with a certain amount of time that you have to do this in. Um, it can look like a variety of things and, and it can be expressed in a variety of ways. And so being open is I think the first step of that. And so, and believing that it's possible for you. Now, once you start to go down that trail, um, and I think there's, there's a repetition that needs to happen there because certainly just saying that into the air isn't like going to all of a sudden magically change you. Um, but I think it's coming around that again and again, reinforcing that thinking, and then doing the practical things of like, okay, well then how can I start to find some fun? Um, if it's, you know, if I'm out at a store and I'm in line and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a really long line. And, um, you know, the frustration starts to set in, right? Because of course the person in front has a million items and you're like, you have three. And, you know, the other lines aren't available or self-checkout's not available. Well, for whatever reason, you're stuck. And then you see the other line that maybe you could have gone on and that's going faster. And so there's just internally, there's all the stuff that's bubbling up of frustration of like, you know, I want to just get out of here. I just, I'm trying to do all the things I need to do. And so in that moment, I have a choice. I could either give into that frustration. I could check out and look at like the tabloid headlines. I could look at my phone. I could tap my foot. I could sigh heavily. I could, you know, whatever, make a scene. Um, or I could look at that and say, well, this is less than ideal, but how do I redeem this time? How do I look for fun in the midst of this? And that's where I think you contextualize it to who you are and how you experience fun, right? So something silly, it could be, hey, you know, maybe I, you know, have a pretend conversation on the phone with somebody just so that the people around me, you know, have some kind of entertainment, right? <laughs> Talk in a silly voice to the cashier. Um, you know, you could doodle on, on a piece of paper that you may have with you or a sketchbook if you happen to have it. I used to do that all the time. I used to take a sketchbook and just have it on me so that I could take that out and, and just notice some things, right? Get out of the situation that I'm in. Um, you could certainly strike up a conversation with the person around you and, and be interested in somebody else as opposed to feeling stuck in your surroundings. Um, you could, I mean, there's so many different things. You could put a, a song on your, your um, Spotify you know, list and put your volume up just a little bit and, and start to do a little dance and get the people around you to dance, you know what I mean? Like that stuff, it may seem silly, but it, it starts to, diffuse a frustrating situation and starts to inject some fun. Now that's not going to be appealing to everyone, of course. Um, and of course there are some people who are automatically going to say, well, that just sounds silly. That sounds like it's frivolous. That sounds like it's, you know, making a fool of yourself or so, you know, undignified. Um, and I would just say, you know, again, be a student of yourself, know how you define fun, like figure that out. What seems to be fun, for you, challenge yourself in some of these things because sometimes silliness diffuses in a way that being practical can't. And so um, take chances. And what's the worst that happens? You look silly for a moment and then you move on, but maybe you've given yourself an opportunity to experience something that you wouldn't have otherwise. I think the most important thing that you said was defining fun for yourself mm -hmm. because I know so many people, myself included, that you get so practical and so this is what I need to do and checking off the checklist and being productive and 
you know, being a parent, going to work, doing the things, the adulting things that we're told that we have to do every day. And you forget what fun looks like. Mm -hmm. Like you can watch other people have it. You understand that there's things that people do, that there's hobbies that people have. But I think that there's so many entrepreneurs, leaders, people who are those big movers and shakers in organizations that have forgotten what fun even looks like. Mm -hmm. Like to have that idea of this is what my definition of fun is. So for somebody who's in that situation where they're like, they're listening to this and they're like, Mike, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I haven't done anything fun in forever. And you know, like my kids want me to play Barbies with them or, you know, they'll bring out their cars, but that's not my mm -hmm. fun. And I don't even remember what I did for fun when I was a kid. Like I can't step into that. Where would you have them start? I would say start small because you may need to uncover and discover what that looks like for you. I've talked to some people who were like, you know, even as a kid, I wasn't really having too much fun because maybe I was the oldest in a family and I ended up assuming a role of taking care of the other kids in the household too, for whatever reason. Or I grew up in a household where you know, you had to be quiet and you couldn't be silly. And, and it was, you know, very, again, undignified to act a certain way. Um, it was frivolous. It was wasteful to do certain things. Um, and so that automatically builds in a place that is, is a bias in thinking about this stuff that makes it challenging. Um, but I still think that there are places that you can figure out what that fun can look like. I think we all have things that we get excited about and that we get curious about. And I think when we start paying attention to the curiosity that we can have, um, that's where we can start to unlock some places that can lead to some real fun because there's a engagement that we have with it. Mm -hmm. It's enjoyment. It's, um, it's, you know, sometimes amusement. Um, and, and, you know, again, I, I don't, I'm not saying that we all need to be like this, get these clown noses and be like, hey, you know, with these crazy voices and stuff, right? Like, of course, you know, that that's a certain type of fun, but that's, you know, certainly skewed to the silly, right? I'm not telling you to be silly. I'm telling you embrace fun and play and figure out what that looks like for you. So you need to take some chances because you won't know what is fun for you if you haven't had that experience in a long time, if you don't take some chances. So the worst that can happen is you try something and if it doesn't seem like it really resonates with you, then try something different. Um, ask other people what they consider to be fun and try to do some things with them. You know, a lot of people also, they'll automatically think like, well, you know, golfing is fun for me. Um, it's, and, and so it's not silly, it's not frivolous. I'll just go and I'll spend time golfing or I'll do some other kind of sports or whatever, mm -hmm. which is great and it's fine, but I think it's easy to slip into a competitive mode when those things are in, in place. Um, and so it's just guarding against so it doesn't become some competition that robs it of its fun and play. Have a place where it's okay where the stakes are low mm -hmm. and that the process that you're engaged with is actually the reward. That's the play. That's the fun. Well, and one of the chapters that you have, you talk about that whole idea of monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a valuable piece that I'd love for you to expand on a little bit of emulation. Yeah. 
and how that's a good way to start discovering some of these pieces. Yeah. Uh, and I talk about it in terms of mimicking, right? Because it's monkey see, monkey do. And when I was younger, I learned how to play guitar. I loved guitar. I still love guitar, but I don't play as much these days. But when I was first learning, I was a little frustrated, honestly, because for me, I'm listening to bands that are like rock bands. You know, I'm listening to like Van Halen and I'm listening to all these, these really great guitar rock bands, you know, playing these awesome licks and, you know, like just the music that really lit me up. And yet where I needed to start was, okay, learn how to play Mary, had a little lamb on guitar with this, you know, little book that taught you some sheet music or whatever. And I was like, I was bored. I was like, this is horrible. And this is so far from what it is that I want to do. Now there is a, a, a thing to be said for learning basics and learning, going through those paces. But for me, like I was, I was really wanting to play the things that I was listening to. I really wanted to um, get to that point as quickly as possible. And there were some other things along the way that weren't honestly important to me on the journey. But this whole idea of monkey see, monkey do, it was like, who is doing the things that I want to do so I can look to them to model? And in the beginning, it was, okay, let me learn how to play these songs, right? What are the chords? What are the notes? How do I play this in such a way that someone realizes like, oh yes, you're playing this song. I, re I recognize that. Um, and then beyond that, right? you can also go to uh, iterations, which is, is beyond mimicking. Because mimicking is just simply copying, right? It's looking to someone else who's ahead of you, copying what they're doing. That's how we all learn, right? It doesn't matter if it's guitar, if it doesn't matter if it's, if it's visual art and painting, it doesn't matter if it's actually building a company or systems or whatever. Like there's always people who have gone before us that we're looking at to, to be the models. But then it's how do we take that, yes, model, but then iterate so that it becomes ours, right? And that's where the magic happens, where you go from being like a cover band, right? Playing other people's songs to being a songwriter who is then writing your own songs with influences of these variety of artists who have meant something to you along the way musically, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and that's where we get that idea of great artists steal. Mm -hmm. Of we have all these different pieces and that's what makes things feel cohesive through history as well. And we see that in both personal and business. But I wanna go back to that organization piece because one of the things that they seem to struggle with is the idea of being creative, innovation, these soft skills that we didn't think were important for the longest time that now we're like, oh, these actually are kind of important to building a business and having good ROI and retention. Um, how does your book offer practical tips or strategies to help them be able to tap into that better and more efficiently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wrote the book in such a way that it's a little open in the context so that you can take it and apply it as uh, an individual or an organization, right? So I'm trying to present ideas and challenges that can then be contextualized to wherever you are and your setting. So while I'm not necessarily saying, hey, here's an idea of, you know, monkey see, monkey do, take this into your corporate team and here's how you can flesh this out. Um, I am saying that there are universal themes and threads to pull on there. 
and that can they can be applied in a individual or organization context. Now, when I meet with people and when I do workshops, I certainly drill down deeper into some of these things to say, okay, we're going to do this exercise and this really has to do with collaboration because we need to know how to work well together because if we can't work well together, we're not going to be able to get the best possible creative outcome or product that we're trying to all achieve. Um, because if we're all just pushing for our own things or if we're all just working in silos, you know, it's not going to happen. We're not going to do anything other than copy what's already been done. And we're never going to deviate from, well, this is the way it's always been done. So this is the way we have to do it. Um, there sometimes, yes, that's the best path forward, but oftentimes that's where innovation stands in the road and waves a flag and says, Hey, here's an opportunity to do something different, to think something different. And so if we're not engaged in those conversations, if we're not bumping into each other, figuring out like, oh, okay, so you bring a certain skill set that's different from mine, but now we're all rowing in the same direction. Like that's when the good stuff starts to happen. So having fun in the midst of that, I think is key because again, fun is engagement. Fun is I'm enjoying this process. And if I'm enjoying this process, it's going to unlock more curiosity, more experimentation, more play, because I'm trying to solve a problem and I'm thinking bigger than what is just the baseline. And when we start to get into those conversations, we start to get into those types of processes. That's exciting. That's where people start to go, oh, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend and, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's not contained to just a nine to five. It's not contained to just some meeting that we were told we have to show up in and some, you know, agenda that somebody handed us, but we're actually going, I care about this because it's helping me feel like I'm doing something that's meaningful, fulfilling. And it's exciting to play in the process because I can figure things out. I can test things. I can collect the data and see what happens with that. And then keep pushing, keep playing, and then invite other people into the process and share these ideas and let, let's build together. Um, that's when some truly amazing things start to happen, I think. Mm. So organizations that can tap into that, <coughs> and I think that have tapped into that, are the ones who have better workplaces, right? People are more fulfilled and probably less turnover because mm. people are thinking, you know what, I have a place on the team and it matters. And I'm contributing to something that's bigger than just me. And so if I can keep being a part of that process and feeling like I have a voice and I have a place on the team and I'm contributing to something that matters that's bigger um, and all doing that in a way that is exciting and playful and full of curiosity and leading to, again, possibilities that maybe we wouldn't normally do if we're simply mm -hmm. just trying to get by doing the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Well, and we see this in so many different organizations, like Otterbox has a slide that's in their offices. So it's taking that fun and realizing why that helps the bottom line, mm -hmm. why that helps with productivity, why it makes your team more effective and efficient in what they're doing, because they're not nose to the grindstone, that old mindset of, I have to be over you understanding everything that you're doing every step of the way. 
And I think that the last few years have shaken that up for a lot of leaders because they didn't know how to manage away from watching somebody all of the time. Right. Well, and you know, you bring up a good point in, in that when organizations are, are utilizing those things, like, cause some people have said, well, you know, do we really need a slide in the office? Do we really need like, you know, foosball table? Like, is that really going to do anything? Um, it, it, or is that just making appearances that we're like, Hey, we're playful we're fun. We're open to that kind of stuff. And I think you have to be careful because doing those things in and of themselves does not automatically equate to fun and play. Mm-hmm. Those are tools, right? Those are environments that you can create, but you still have to have a process that's at work and that utilizes those things or giving people the opportunity to have that break, to change the channel a little bit. Because they're, if you're simply pressing on, a, on solving a, a problem over and over and over again, and you're not getting anywhere other than being frustrated, you need a brain break. You need to be able to go, oh, you know what? Let me put this aside for a minute and do something else that allows my brain to be a little freer, a little more casual, a little more playful, mm-hmm. and then a lot of times we find ourselves having some ideas that would come um, only because we're in those situations and environments. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of your examples that you use is actually Jesse Cole and the Savannah Bananas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about them is that they'll actually let team members go and be different positions ever so often so that you're always constantly getting a new perspective on, oh, well, I don't do this job all the time. I might be in accounting and now I'm down on the field doing something with the clients right right one-on-one and I'm going to have different insights being from that department than I am if I'm dealing with clients all the time and vice versa because there's we have blind spots Mm -hmm. that the play allows us to see and I think that there's a lot to be said about the idea of allowing play to be not just the brain break but also the ability to see things from a different perspective Mm -hmm. so that you're not always stuck beating your head against that wall trying to solve that problem. But this is where the individual piece comes back in of being able to have that fun on one side so that it bleeds into work and vice versa so that when you do have that already put together break of I went to work, I came home every single day, you have that ability to move around and be a little bit more flexible in how you're thinking about play and fun. And that it's not just, oh, we have a slide, it's a culture mm-hmm. within the company of it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to try new things, it's okay to create. Because inevitably, innovation and fun and creativity, there's going to be things that don't work. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that you touch on a little bit in this book is what do we do when it doesn't work? Yeah. Well, and I think if you want to term it failure, if you want to term it iterations, you know, that's all part of the process. And uh, we're not going to make 100% all the time right decisions. We're not going to always have breakthroughs every single time that leads to something that is is amazing and is innovating. Um, But it's the steps in between. And it's, it's figuring out, okay, how do we get the ball moving and knowing that we're going to have some failures, but that's part of the experimentation process also. When you're playing, you're like, oh, what happens if I do this? Oh, that that's terrible. I'm never doing that again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you are learning something. And so I think there's something in there to be said about 
understanding the value that the process brings over the product that it develops. Mm -hmm. And that's something I had to learn in my journey as well, because so many times we have this vision of something that we want to see happen, and then the execution falls flat. What we see in our heads and what we see in real life, there's that gap. And we're like, how do we close that gap and quickly? Because yikes, like this is, this is not good. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly not fun when that happens, right? But if we can realize, oh, I'm actually learning something in this process and this is normal and natural, I think we give ourselves the freedom to be able to see the value in the process. Um, you know, I, I give an example of like, uh, one day I decided, you know, what happens if I go in my yard and I pick up a stick and I come back to my canvas that I was painting on and I paint with the stick. Now, it seems to be a little like, why would you do that? Like that's, stick isn't meant to be used in that way. But I wanted to see what happens. It was me experimenting. So I put paint on the stick and I rolled it around the canvas, you know, tried to paint with it and it was clunky and awkward and it made some marks that were interesting, but ultimately it wasn't like a great painting at the end of the day. But what it taught me was, oh, if I want these kind of marks, if I want this texture, if I want this line quality, I now know a tool that I can use to get those results. So while the actual product was a failure, so to speak, the process that I learned and the tool that I gained that I could then use on purpose in another context was the actual takeaway for me. That was the win for me. And so I think if we start allowing ourselves those moments where we realize it's not you know, all or nothing, but that there's actually things that we can learn in the process and then take those learnings and apply them in different contexts, that can be fun and that can be engaging and can be the win. Mm -hmm. Well, it becomes the Thomas Edison effect. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have a thousand ways not to do it, but in those a thousand ways of learning how not to create the light bulb, he also created over a thousand patents. Yep. So there was invention and innovation happening and it wasn't the necessarily end result that he was looking for, but on the way to the end result, there was innovation that happened. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, this is, we've been talking a lot in terms of, of uh, organizations and, and kind of corporate environments even a lot, but the same thing happens, you know, personally, right? The same thing happens is for an individual. If you're looking to cook something, a meal, right? And you're like, I have a recipe, but I feel like deviating from that. What happens if I do this? What happens if I put this stuff in, right? Like at the end of the day, what are you risking? You're risking having a terrible meal or maybe something that is inedible and you throw out, right? But sometimes you can stumble across something that's like, hey, this is actually really good, right? I mean, you were telling me a story earlier, right? About how, you know, the measurements of something were off, but then it ended up being that like, oh, this is actually so much better. And it was an accident. And yeah. so, Sometimes those happy accidents, thank you, Bob Ross, um, <laughs> are the things that we can take and that's our learning and that's what makes things fun and exciting and to make room for those things so we don't mm -hmm. feel like we always have to be so um, perfect in our execution and always so pushing towards progress and measurement and um, achievement. I mean, ultimately, yes, those things are important, but if we lose the fun in the process, we're gonna be miserable and, mm -hmm. and, and we'll be burned out because we'll be pushing, pushing, pushing and then we kind of lose sight and we can fall out of love even with the thing that we found that when we used to really be you know, uh, enticed by.
Yeah, absolutely. So as we start to wrap things up, I want to talk about the podcast a little bit because mm-hmm. you've had a lot of stories about creatives and entrepreneurs and the stories that they've gone through as corporate leaders even. How do these stories tie into the themes or the lessons in your book? Yeah. Well, I think when I'm when I have guests on and I'm exploring their stories, their journeys, it's always interesting to me because I mean, I've had people on who have written books. I've had people on here who have been business leaders. I've had people on here who have been painters, musicians. Uh, It's been the variety of creative contexts. And yet there's always that thread we can pull on. There's always that universal thing that happens somewhere along the way in their journey, in their story, in their process. And those are the things that I've always tried to gravitate towards to identify so that whoever's listening to this podcast, they can apply it to their context, mm-hmm. right? They may not be a painter. They may know nothing about it and they may say, well, I can't even draw a stick figure. And so the particulars of that, does, that, that doesn't interest them. But what does interest them is the journey that this person went on, that they had to go and struggle and make mistakes and they had to learn how to market themselves when they didn't know how to do that. They had to learn how to get in front of the right crowd of people and build uh, an audience. Um, They had to learn how to to pivot in and out of what they were doing. Um, and, And I think those are all the lessons that, again, regardless of whatever it is you're creating, um, and, and whatever your work looks like, we can learn from each other and we can have fun in the context because we can say, okay, it doesn't always have to be breaking through a brick wall, right? It doesn't always have to be hard. Like what if it was fun? What if it was interesting and engaging and brought us some joy? And, and I think there are, there are moments in people's stories as they share them on the podcast where many times it's like, I didn't really know what was going to happen next. And maybe they're still in a season where they're like, I'm pivoting again and I don't really know what's coming next because we're always in the midst of our own stories. But there's a sense of adventure that they've signed up for in pursuing what they've set out to do. And so I think being encouraged by other people's stories, um, realizing that we're not alone in those things, even if the context is completely different, um, and tying it to the book in, in terms of making fun a habit. Well, it's looking for those moments. It's looking for those stories that help remind us that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just people and we're all just trying to do the best that we can. And we want to enjoy life. We don't want life to suck right? (laughs) Like we want things to be as good as they can be so that we feel like the time we've spent on this earth has mattered Mm -hmm. and that we've done something, built something, created something, and in the process, enjoyed it, had fun, left our fingerprints on it. And so we're all pursuing that, you know, it's, it's the, the pursuit of happiness, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the American dream. It's, um, it's realizing that we have an opportunity each day to look for fun, to inject fun, to find fun, to make fun in the midst of the things that we're creating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's so many good things that are 
in this book, things that you talk about, things that you've had on the podcast previously that tie so nicely into everything that you've been doing, working with individuals in coaching, as well as coaching organizations and doing workshops. So now that you've convinced all of your listeners to go and find the book and buy it, where can people find it? And what's the best way that you want them to connect with you? Like, let's say that they have a question about what some of the things that you've talked about today Mm -hmm. that maybe you can have on the podcast. What would be the best way for them to connect with you? Well, the the best way in terms of the book itself is makefunofhabit.com. And makefunofhabit.com has links to purchase the books, uh, but also it has some other resources there. And so I've tried to create as many access points for this as possible that keep bringing fun before people, right? Keep giving people access. And also realizing that like, again, going back to people have fun in different ways. It's not everybody's going to uh, find a coloring page to be exciting and fun. But I have that there. You can download a free coloring page and, and print it out and color it with kids or color it on your own. Have it be like the adult coloring books that, you know, stress reliever and gives you a little bit of something to do differently with your hand and your mind. Some people are going to be like, that's not my thing. And that's okay. And then I've created a Spotify playlist so that there's some fun songs uh, and it's free. People can subscribe to that. Not everyone's going to have the same musical tastes as me. Uh, that they're going to hear my playlist and they're like, that's fun. That's not fun. You know, my version of fun is something different. And I'm like, great. So then create your own fun playlist. Um, and then, you know, there's also a, a thing I have on there that's like Mad Libs. I used to do that a lot as a kid. Me and my sister used to fill in the blanks of, you know, the, you'd ask the other person, give me a noun, give me a verb, give me an adjective. And they would fill in those things that you gave them. And you didn't know anything about the story of what was going to be read. You're just giving these random words. And then the other person then start, reads back the whole story in context along with the words that you've given to fill in the blanks. And so I've created these kind of Mad Lib things. I call them Fun Libs. Um, but this page that you can download and, and fill in and have some fun with words if that's your thing. Um, and all this stuff, again, is, is all about multiple points of access. Um, and it's the small moments. It's, it's the th- small things that are really important because so many times we think fun has to be extravagant. Fun has to be expensive. Fun has to be you know, a, a large investment of time. And really what I'm saying is let's find the small moments every single day. And whether that's personal, professional, every place in between, we can find these moments, we can make these moments if we start to align our mindsets and our attitudes around identifying what is fun and reinforcing that again and again and again. And we'll find that we show up differently. And when we show up differently, everybody is affected at work, at home, just us with ourselves. Um, and, and that's what I've seen happen with myself even. The more fun that I have, the more that I'm reinforcing that, the more that I'm looking for it, and then that just yields even more fun. So um, makefunofhabit.com is the place to go for that stuff to connect. Uh, certainly, I love to have these conversations, um, and I'm having more conversations on other people's podcasts. Um, I'm having these workshops you know, for different events, you know, corporations, and um, for teams and you know having these conversations i think is really important because we can take fun for granted we can all think when i'm done with the work when i'm done with 
you know, uh, pushing really hard. When I retire, then I'll go on the trip, then I'll take the, the vacation, then I'll whatever. And so often we find that it's too late. We've put it off and put it off and then we're out of time or something happens and we're out of money or some other thing, ha- you know, why put this off? Why feel like we can't have fun until all the work is done? Because you and I both know the work is never done. There's always something more. There's always something else to demand our time, something else that's practical, responsible, that will win the day. And so unless we start to champion this stuff and make fun a habit, it's not going to happen on its own. So um, having questions about this stuff, engaging over the stuff, this I'm passionate about this stuff. I love this stuff because I've seen the effect in my own life and I believe that other people can reap the benefits of this as well. I love all of that. So thanks for taking us on that journey and letting us into a little bit of fun that we can have on a podcast so that people can actually experience it, not just in your book, but then also applying it in real life. Yes. With some of the conversations that we've had today, as well as some of the other conversations that you've had and will have on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. And thank you. And I know, um, you know, certainly we've, we've talked today a lot about fun in terms of, um, some more of the serious play, if you will, right? Some, some more of the, the, the serious side of things and how we can access this. Um, and, and, you know, some of that's intentional too, right? Because I don't want it to be this thing that if people feel like it's just outright silly, that they reject it and say, well, this isn't for me because I'm not the guy with the clown nose coming into the room and like, you know, making funny voices. Um, That's a form of fun and play, but that's not entirely, you know, the whole experience. And so my challenge really is, um, what does fun look like for you? How can you contextualize it for your work environment, for your home environment, just for you as a person? And, and practice it again and again, make it the habit, right? It's, that's, the, that's the habit portion of this. It's coming back to it again and again and again. It's daily looking for these opportunities. So um, I, I love this stuff and I live this stuff. And uh, thank you for turning the tables today and giving me the opportunity to just talk through some of the stuff, asking me some questions. And uh, if people have more questions, yeah, by all means, they can reach out to me. Um, they can shoot me a, a message from my website mikebrennan.me or find me on Instagram, mikebone, and uh, DM me. And I'm more than happy to just engage with people over this stuff because I really do believe it will make a difference. Mm -hmm. So definitely take him up on that of asking the questions because you're never going to get those answers if you don't actually come and ask the questions because this can be a very airy-fairy idea if you let it be. Yeah. But it can also be the thing that changes how you view life and how you experience life. Yes. And I will also say if anyone has a, a team or an organization where, you know, you bring in people to do some trainings and some workshops, uh, I would love to connect with you as well to bring some of this material to you and your team and show that it's not simply that airy fairy stuff, but there's actually very practical things that we can do to help boost engagement, to help boost creativity and innovation and do it in a way where people realize, oh, I have a place in this. And, um, I would just love to connect with those people as well. I love that. So thank you again for all of your amazing insights. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll do this again at some point. So until next time. Thanks, Cabrina. Thanks.
Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.